welcome to episode number 12 of the practice of nonprofit leadership. I'm Tim Barnes. And I'm Nathan Ruby. Well, Nathan, we're jumping into a, a topic today that in some ways we, I feel like we could get down deep in the weeds here, uh, but we're in the middle of a series called What's My Job? So one of the things we want to talk about today is governance of a nonprofit and the difference between what the executive director is responsible for and what the board is responsible for and how, the, how it works together there. Nathan, I know this is something that you are, um, I don't know if you're passionate about, but you're really knowledgeable. You've had a lot of experience in that. And uh, I think you've got some good things to, to take us through today. You know, Tim, I we are stacked today. We've got information. We got fun stuff. We got stories. We got jokes. We are we are bringing it today. And I was before we got started here. I I had my uh, my notes from our our episode planning, and uh, so I printed them off ready to go. And then I made more notes, and then I made more notes on those notes. So if I stutter a little bit today, Tim, it's because my note writing got so small. I can't necessarily read it. So, all right. So, so here we go. Before we start, we just, we need to make probably a disclaimer. <laughs> we are not lawyers or attorneys or anything of the, of that stripe. Um, we're going to share today uh, our experiences, our thoughts. Um, but we would encourage you anything around the legal aspect. You should um, seek out legal counsel, professional legal counsel. And they can help you make some of these kind of decisions, but we're going to share out of our experience today. Yeah. And that's, especially we're going to talk a little bit about bylaws here in a little bit and, and uh, yeah, it's okay. It'll just be a few minutes. Um, but anytime you're working with bylaws, yeah, get, 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 uh, get a lawyer an attorney to help you. And they, they are a lot of times you can find an attorney to help you with bylaws, either pro bono or, you can you can find an attorney that's got nonprofit experience that's worked with nonprofits before that and they're not so expensive. So definitely definitely seek out. This is one of the times where you definitely want to seek out help. So, all right. Well, a couple of points today we want to cover. And first of all, this is um, if you took the level of knowledge from uh, one to twenty and say one is I don't know anything about what my job as an executive director is when it comes to governance and 20 being I'm an expert in this field today, your level of knowledge will go from one to maybe 1.25. So we're just going to hit some basics and this is by no means all that you need to know, but this will at least point you in the right direction. So, all right. So the first thing that you need to know um, is the, is what your role is as an executive director when it comes to governance and the board is you need to know what are the three basic primary duties of the board, all right? And the first one is called duty of care. And duty of care means that the, that the board needs to take care of the nonprofit by ensuring prudent uses of all assets, including facility, people, and goodwill. So the primary, that duty of care means it is the board's responsibility to just take good care of the organization. So for an example, I, 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 th- these are some examples that I've had from, uh, from my past. And so the, the ensuring the prudent use of all assets, uh, I, was, I was part not part of an organization, but was aware of an organization in the past 
where they were a social service organization and they had a garage or a, a building that was kind of off the main campus. It was kind of isolated. It was still the still the, the property of the nonprofit. And the executive director allowed his brother-in-law to start a uh, auto uh, repair business in that building. And the, and he did charge him rent. So that was a good thing. You know, he charged him rent. So it was, so the executive director said, well, I'm charging him rent. You know, that's a, that's a revenue source. And it was, no, that, that was not a good thing. And so the board, uh, the board shut that thing down as they, as they should have. So duty of care, uh, take care of the nonprofit by ensuring prudent use of all assets, including facility, people, and goodwill. Number two, duty of loyalty. Duty of loyalty means that the ensuring that the nonprofit's activities and transactions are first and foremost in the best interest of the nonprofit corporation. So basically, are the things that we're doing, is it in the best interest of the organization? So this is conflict of interest comes in here. Uh, mission creep comes in here. Are you are you doing something? Is the is the executive director doing something that is totally out of bounds that uh, of the vision and mission of the organization? Um, and here in this uh, in duty of loyalty, you know, in the best interest of the nonprofit, th- there's a, a fundraising example. Um, I was was uh, with an organization doing some consulting, and they had uh, a donor that had come to them with a uh, piece of property that was uh, in the middle of town. It was a pretty highly valued piece of property. And the donor came and said, hey, I, I want to donate this piece of land. And the organization got really excited. Um, it was estimated it was about a $200,000 to $250,000 piece of property. And it's not every day a donor walks in with a quarter million dollar gift. And uh, thankfully, one of the board members was in real estate. And Something about that piece of property had triggered a, uh, a a yellow flag in their head, and so they started doing some research. and And as it turned out, the piece of property was a had been a chemical plant, chemical manufacturing facility, and it had a significant EPA issue. And the donor, the donor wasn't trying to commit fraud. The donor wasn't hiding that fact. The donor just couldn't sell the property because of the EPA. And somebody had said, well, maybe you could donate it. And so he came to his favorite charity and said, would you like it? And so now maybe they would have caught it in the, uh, you know, in the process somewhere. But this board member was looking out for the best interest of the organization. And um, they ended up turning the gift down and, and it, it, it was it was good. Um, now, most large organizations, hospitals, universities, big organizations will have very detailed giving policies, uh, gift acceptance policies, and these type of things. But if you're in a smaller to medium organization, you probably don't. And it, while it's also staff, you as the executive director, you need to be looking out for the organization. But it's also the the buck kind of stops with the board uh, for them to be doing that as well. And then the third piece is duty of obedience. And this is to ensure that the nonprofit obeys a, applicable laws and regulations, follow its own bylaws, and that the nonprofit adheres to its stated corporate purpose and mission. So, um, you know, bylaws, every time I work with a, an organization, the very first thing I ask for is the bylaws. Uh, and, you know, even for my, for my own organization, 
um, I have the bylaws actually pinned to my, uh, to my landing page on my, so when I open my laptop up, the bylaws are right there. And I bet I'm in those bylaws, Tim, once a week, maybe mm. twice a month, something like that. Just, uh, it's amazing how often nonprofits are not following their own bylaws. Uh, and, you know, not following your bylaws is, uh, it's kind of like brushing your teeth. You know, you don't brush your teeth today nothing really bad happens, but if you don't brush your teeth for, you know, two years, other than having really bad breath, uh, that's when the bad things, that's when the root canals happen. Well, same way with not following your bylaws, nothing bad happens until something bad happens. And then you better have followed your bylaws. Um, so that's, uh, so duty of care, duty of loyalty, duty of obedience. It, it occurs to me, Nathan, as you talk through that and we see those points, um, that's duty of the board. It would seem to me duty of the executive director would be communication that all those things like the, the decision, you know, decisions that an executive director is making in any of those areas, there's communication back to the board before they actually commit to do something because they recognize that the board does have responsibility in all those areas. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, there is a very definitive difference between the, the board role and the executive director role. Um, and there's a very clear line. However, communication of just letting your board know, Hey, this is happening. Uh, I'm doing this, this, uh, this, you know, this is uh, staff have decided we're doing this, even though the board doesn't necessarily have to uh, may not have to vote on it. You're always better off in the long run if your board understands what you're doing and is supporting you because they know what you're doing. Uh, you can't hardly ever go wrong with that. I may have mentioned this in another in another episode, but I'll just highlight it again when it comes to communication. I work for a for a executive director of an organization who every Monday used to do a Monday memo, and he would send it out to his board and key staff, and it had to do with here's what I'm thinking. Here's what's going on. Here's some of the challenges we're facing. Here's some of the things I'm thinking about doing and just getting it out there, kept the board in, in the loop and allowed them to be really good in these areas because they knew what was going on. That might be something to consider. Yeah. And, and it's human nature. If you are, if you're supposed to know something, so the board, the board is supposed to know what's going on and if you don't communicate, you don't tell them, you don't share what's going on, and it goes longer and longer and longer since you've communicated with them, they it's human nature. They'll start filling in the gaps and filling in the, the blanks with their own assumptions. And normally those assumptions are not, well, they're probably not correct, but they're certainly not in your favor. Uh, and so just some of those simple uh, you know, yeah, you, that's it's it's so easy. But yet things that are really easy to do are also easy not to do. Okay, here's point number two. The executive director's job is not to be the board president. The executive director runs the day-to-day -day operations of the organization. This means that the executive director is the only employee of the board. The executive director is the sole employee of the board. All other employees work for the executive director and the executive director works for the board. Um, now there's, there are some difference of opinions on this point and I fall in the camp, my own personal opinion 
is that it is better, um, actually it is best, if the executive director is not a voting member of the board. And my, my position is if, you, if the executive director is the voting member of the board, then the executive director is basically working for themselves. Um, now there are others, there are other systems, other, and, and if you're working, if you're an executive director and your, your uh, bylaws state that the executive director is a member of the board, th- that's fine. Don't, I'm not saying go out and you know run out and change that. What I'm saying is it, it, it's just cleaner if that executive director is not part of the, of the board. Uh, you know, if you are, if the executive director is a part of the board, then you have to recuse yourself from certain, uh, from certain votes. And it just, it's a little bit easier if they're not, uh, but it's not the end of the world if you are. All right. Next one is the board meeting is the purview of the board chair, not the executive director. So when the board meeting starts, the, the board chair is in charge or should be in charge. And they should be the ones leading the meeting. They should be the ones calling the meeting to order. They should be running down the agenda. Uh, the executive director should not be doing that. Um, again, that's the way it should be. Now, not all organizations are like that. Um, you will have some some founder started organizations where the founder, you know, there's maybe three or four board members, and the founder is the is the board chair, and he's also or she is also the the only staff person. And so you're playing both roles. And sure, that happens and that's totally okay. Uh, there are other board uh, that I've been part of that I've consulted with where, you know, the, the executive director does everything, uh, you know, in the board meeting. And if that's the culture of your, of your organization, again, it's okay. It, it's, it's okay to be that way. Um, if you want to change that, that you can do that. Just know that that'll take three, four, five, six years to be able to do that. I think that I think the challenge and Nathan and I had a, had a really good conversation about this before we went on there. And I think it's easier for um, when you're a smaller organization, when it's you and two friends who get this thing started, um, it's easy. It's it's harder to kind of jump into what we're talking about right now. And I think what we're trying to do is to give you a picture of, of what it should be as you grow and develop. And I was telling him the organization I work with, you know, we've made these changes kind of five, six, seven years into our, our organization. We like, Oh, we need to start making this as we grow. And as more things are happening, we need to make some changes in this way. And so we've been, we've been doing that as well. Yeah, that's a great point, Tim. And the, if you're a, a small organization that is a all volunteer organization and you don't have any staff or maybe one staff person, you know, it's very typical uh, for, you know, the, the role of board member and staff person to crisscross back and forth. Totally, totally fine. It happens all the time. Um, as you're getting up into that you know, hundred thousand, hundred and fifty thousand, two hundred thousand dollar budget and above, where now all of a sudden you're starting to have a defined executive director and maybe one or two staff people and volunteers and board members, and you've got these different classifications of people going on. That that's when it gets a little a, a, a little better 
to clearly define who's who and who is what role uh, when you're getting a little bit bigger. And that's actually one of the nice things of being a small little organization because you're nimble and you can adjust and adapt and move. And, and uh, you know, and the, there's, you know, in our organization, we're, we're growing and, and we're now pushing over the $600,000 range. And there's a lot of people that long for that 250 range where it was just, you know, everybody was a volunteer, everybody did their own thing and we all caught together and it just all kind of meshed together. And, and so anyway, there's uh, uh, there's pros and cons to both sides of that. We'll have to do another episode on how to stay nimble as you grow. That's, that's part of the challenge, but that's not for today. That's right. Yeah. You know, the big, the big bad bureaucracy starts, uh, starts coming in. So if we're moving in this direction, what does the executive director executive director do in a board meeting? What's his role or her role? Well, I'm glad you've asked him. So <laughs> your job as executive director is to support the board chair, all right? Or the committee chair. If it's a if it's a full board meeting, a committee meeting, it's the same thing. So a couple of things. One is uh, to help prepare the agenda. A uh, lot of organizations, the staff person will actually uh, draft an agenda. Um, I would say if you're, if that's what you're doing, I would always recommend include the board member or the board chair, the committee chair in that process. I know Tim, your organization, it's the, the, the board person kind of drafts it and then brings you and, and your CEO into the conversation, which is great. That's the way it should be. But the key here is that when you're preparing agendas, have, have everybody get a seat at the table to prepare that. So you've got everybody's perspective. Um, so that'd be good. Answer questions as needed. Uh, get the board reports, um, you know, that the board is as re- regular board reports that the board has asked for. You know, that staff's job is to get those ready. Uh, and so that on the day of the meeting or the, the evening of the meeting, when the when the board members sit down, that that whoever's leading that meeting, the board chair, or the committee chair has got everything they need. To, to you know, call the meeting to order and start going down through the agenda. That is your job is to make sure that that board person has everything they need to be successful. Um, and then once the meeting starts, um, you should be saying less, not more. Uh, the executive director uh, it should be now again, not all organizations are like this. If you're if you're having to lead the meeting, then you lead the meeting. But in a perfect world, the the board president leads the meeting. As executive director, you're you're quiet. Uh, you're answering questions when when details are needed. Um, you are helping the the board chair stay on stay on task, uh, running through the agenda in a in a not too fast but not too slow. Uh, and so, one of the things that I always do is I always sit right next to my board president. Um, and if we're on Zoom, uh, if we're if we're not in the same room, if we're on Zoom. I always have uh, my phone next to me so that the board chair and I can text back and forth. Um, so I'm always as close to them as I can be. Uh, another thing I do is I highlight in there uh, the agenda that the president gets is different than everybody else's agenda. I've, I've highlighted areas where there's a vote. I've made notes where they need to be aware of something specific so that they, you know, they can see that it's coming on the agenda. Um and um, so those are just uh, just a couple of things that I do to, to help it be a little bit easier for the chair as they're running through the meeting. I think the key point here is that you may feel like, oh, I'm not I'm not running the meeting, so I'm not it's not much that I have to do. But 
uh, I think we're saying, no, you're, you're an integral part of, you know, what's going on, you know, the day to day, you're able to bring the reports in, you can talk about what your staff is doing, the challenge. So it's very important that you are, are involved. It's just that you are assisting the chairperson who is running that and being ready to share when needed. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, another thing that I would recommend that you think about and our, our, at, at FACO, our board runs off of the Roberts rules of order. And I forget in our bylaws, it's an actual version. I forget what the version is. I can, I can look it up if you'd like to know, um, because I have the bylaws on my laptop, but, um, it is, you really need to know what those are and not, not to like, you know, page 936, but just the basic things of, okay, what is it? How do we do a vote? You know, we have to do, do we have to do a motion and then discussion and then the vote? Do we, and these are in your bylaws. Do we do a, or should be in your bylaws? Do we do a, 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 you know, hands or do we do it verbal or just, just know those things because your board president is probably not going to know those things. I wouldn't normally expect them to, but that's part of your job as the executive director is to have a handle on that. And even if you, even if you have to have the book, you know, the, the Roberts book next to you, so you can look something up that, that is just be prepared on that so that you can, when the question comes up, Oh, do we, do we have to have a motion on that? Yes, we do. No, we don't. Uh, And some of that comes with experience. If, if you're that, if this is your first uh, time as executive director and your first board meeting is, is next week, uh, you know, first of all, that's awesome. You know, congratulations. That's going to be really exciting. And it'll also be pretty, uh, pretty scary at the same time. So just do the best you can. Don't worry about it. You'll get better, you know, as time goes. But again, communication is huge in this as well. Talking about, um, you know, how we're doing things and, and what's happening. And, and as, as Nathan says, you'll, you'll grow with it and you'll, you'll learn more and you should take some time to educate yourself as the executive director about how this, how this actually works. You know, I, I think the last thing, uh, if, if all else, um, just be, we've said communicate like 23 times, just, just be in sync with your board president, because if something goes, if you're in sync with your board president and something goes, takes a left turn or something goes, then that's, that's, that's something that you've got together as opposed to don't ever, 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 ever blindside your, your board president and don't embarrass them. You know, if, if there's a, if, if you have a bad uh, finance report, oh my gosh, don't let your board president know the first time he's heard or she's heard about it is at the meeting. Don't blindside them. Uh, and if, if, if you work ahead of time and you're in sync with each other going into that meeting, it's going to be fine. And I think, you know, we, I, I think there's kind of sometimes the idea that this is kind of an adversarial relationship, <laughs> you know, executive director, the board, you know, we're trying to catch the executive director doing something wrong or whatever. And, and that is not the way it's supposed to be. It, and that's why it's so important. And we've talked about this in other episodes, so important to take time to build relationships with your board, to get to know them, build that trust. And so that you can work together. And so if they come and say, hey, we need to deal with this, you're open to that. And you're able to give input and to help guide as well. And so it's 
It's a two-way street. There, each of you need to do what your role calls for. And if you're in sync that way, you'll be a much more effective organization. I couldn't have said it better myself, Tim. I am channeling you <laughs> as we talk. Exactly. <laughs> so, hey, thanks for joining us. And uh, I hope this has been helpful as you think about executive director and governance and the board and how all that works together. Our emails are in the show notes. And if you have other questions or you want some input, we'd love to be able to uh, to connect with you. So feel free to, to connect with us and uh, we'll do our best for you. Yeah, absolutely. It just, you know, if you got a quick question or a situation you're dealing with, you know, just don't, uh, yeah, send us an email or and just let us know. We'll be happy to work through something with you, um, you know, wh- whatever we can do to help. Thanks, Nathan. Until next All time. Right. See you, Tim. See ya. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Practice of Nonprofit Leadership, helping you navigate the murky, tumultuous waters of nonprofit leadership. Each week, we bring you a mixture of encouragement, information, stories, and practical tools to make your journey just a little easier, more fun, and helping you make a greater impact in the world. Would you like a deeper dive into today's topic? then come on over to the Practice of Nonprofit Leadership website where you will find resources and tools that you can use. Plus, you can connect with Tim and me. We'd love to hear from you. So to all you executive directors and those aspiring to be one, see you next week.